Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone. This is Brett Ridgway, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking show, where each week I'll be interviewing an industry insider, find out a little bit about their speaking journey, have them share some tips to success for building a successful speaking career, and then also ask them to bear their soul a little bit and share some mistakes they made along the way that, so that hopefully you don't make the same mistakes. But my guest today is Tom Antigone. Tom has never had a job. He's an internet multimillionaire guy next door. He's the subject of a Hollywood documentary called The American Entrepreneur, which is premiering in spring of 2023. Very cool. And Tom has done over 3,000 speeches in 12 countries and has never done less than $100,000 in backroom sales in the last 20 years. So, Tom, welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Hey, Brad, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. So we probably go back, good gosh. 200 years, I think. I was looking on the calendar. You know, I've got gray bearded a little bit, but I don't think I'm quite that old. But, uh, uh, you know, a number of years and, and you know, we've crossed paths at a lot of events. And Tom has always been, as, as best to my knowledge, the number one seller at any event that I've been involved with, whether I'm handling the back room or just a student in the crowd or whatever. So he's a master of the craft. So I want you to pay close, atten- close attention to what he has to share with you today because, been there, done that, knows that, and can do that. So, Tom, again, welcome aboard. So, I mean, you've been at the speaking game a long time, my friend, long, even way before we met, I know. So, oh, yeah. you know, kind of what what got you into this industry? How did you decide what you want to speak about? I mean, just share a little bit about your journey, how you got to where we are, so to speak. Well, you know, yeah, I've never had a job, so I've always had my own business. So this is long before the Internet came around. You know, I started my first business in 1977, formally. And uh, and I came up through the ranks doing businesses and speaking. And I had a nightclub for uh, a long time. I was in gunfights and knife fights, got out of that, <laughs> <laughs> barely. And then I got into the uh, uh, entertainment business. I had uh, a, a business called Prank Masters. We custom designed practical jokes. This was long before punk and all these shows were on. Mm-hmm. And we did 4,000 custom designed practical jokes in and around the Washington, D.C. area. And I got worldwide publicity for it. But the whole time I was doing it, it was a lot of fun. I, and I really honed my comic timing. I did 1,000 performances myself. Uh, so it was, it was kind of like a professional comedian. And I was writing custom humor all the time. 
but I was always thinking there's something bigger out there as a TV show, a movie or what. And I was in Crown Books in uh, Lanham, Maryland, Greenbelt, Maryland. And I moved to let a lady walk by who's pushing a baby carriage. And I hit my book or hit my head on a book called Speak and Grow Rich by Dottie Walters. And the reason this is kind of woo-woo is because Dottie Walters started her career pushing a baby carriage, selling advertisement door-to-door. So, <laughs> But anyway, I got the book. I thought, this is perfect for me. I'm funny, and I got plenty of business experience. I'll be great on the speaking stuff. So that's how I got started speaking. Uh, and you talked about mistakes. Well, I was doing these entertaining jobs for anywhere from 75 to – the, the most we ever charged for an elaborate thing was 1200 bucks, but most of them were a hundred to $150. And so I thought when I broke into speaking, I said, I'll just charge 500 and I'll clean up because uh, speakers are charging four and five and 6,000 at the time I broke in and I couldn't get one job at 500 bucks. Here's the thing. If you're too cheap, they think something's wrong with you because they know how much speakers cost and it's not their money anyway. It's corporate money or something. And so I couldn't get one job at 500 bucks. They must've thought I was a womanizer drunk, didn't show up. Who knows what they thought, but I couldn't until I raised my fee to 1250 at the time. This is back in the early nineties. That's when I got my first job. (laughs) So don't be too cheap. You can always make deals and come down in fee by getting something back from the group. You never want to just drop your fee. That's called fee credibility. <laughs> and, yep. you know, when I quit corporate speaking, I was 20000 So I tell somebody it was 20000 Here's an example of not fee credibility. So I'm 20000 Oh, we only have $1,500. i will take it. <laughs> That's not fee credibility. So you always want to make deals that can, if you really want to do the job, trade for things. Say, okay, well, can I have um, the the database of the attendees so I can follow up for sales and there's you know extra airfare or extra days at the resort you can always trade some things to bring the fee down to make the deal with them so those are important things but don't be too cheap there's no there's no advantage to it so when I mean it's a big shift in a way from pra- practical jokes and what you did then to becoming a, a keynote speaker and, and eventually a platform seller and all that. So what, what transitioned you or caused you to the, what was the impetus to move from one yeah. to the next? Well, the money, of course, you know, and I'm always looking forward, but the thing is it wasn't that big a transition because when, at the time that I broke in humor in the workplace was a big topic and I was already hell hellaciously funny from writing custom humor for six years and uh, I had a businesses where I had loads of employees and made it fun for them. So it was a natural to move into that arena. What I had to get used to was uh, meeting rooms and microphones and being politically correct enough to get by with that. In those days, oh, it well, was, that one, was hard. that one was hard for you, I'm sure, Tom. <laughs> it was, but it'd be <laughs> even worse now uh, in the corporate arena. But I haven't done corporate speaking for a long time simply because I can't stand <laughs> You know, and, and I can make more money in the public arena. Um, so it wasn't that big of a jump, but it was a major jump in money because I'd have to do 10, 15, you know, uh, gorilla grams and practical jokes and custom stuff uh, and run all the way to the traffic around Washington, D.C. 
to make as much as I do in one, you know, 30 to 45 minute speech. So I'm taking it. You've done a lot of improv along the way in some way, shape or form. Well, I didn't take any classes in it, but I had to, I mean, doing a thousand comet performances, stuff comes up and these are in people's homes and, um, and parties and things like that. So yeah, you get pretty good at uh, finding out what works and what doesn't to make people laugh. I mean, it's so interesting to me because I've been interviewing several people over the last week or so, and at least half of them have mentioned improv as a critical element to them becoming a better speaker, the ability to think on their feet and and react to the crowd and what's happening and and move forward. Yeah, and and I'm totally on board with that, but there are ways you can work on that without going to improv classes. In fact, uh, in my book, Wake Them Up, it's one of the classics. It's been... uh, universities have used it and stuff but it's called wake them up um there's a section in here on pre-planned ad libs so you know things that come up in meeting rooms it's too cold it's too hot the projector ball burns out the door squeaks whatever uh the the uh the bus person drops the tray of stuff you know whatever so you have pre-planned ad libs and then when that thing occurs, boom, you act like nothing's going on. Everything's cool. People have a good laugh over it. And then that obstruction or that distraction is gone now. Right. If you try to ignore it, it you, they'll never hear what you're talking about. So you address it with a pre-planned ad lib, and then you move on. So you've done both keynoting and, and platform selling and all that. I'm assuming based on your input that, Platform selling is the way to go. If somebody has a choice of which direction they should take as a speaker. Well, yeah, if it's, if you're money motivated and you, and, and another thing is that the people that are in the platform speaking for sales want to be there. See, frequently in the corporate world, they're forced to be there and they know more than you do. And it's a pain in the neck and you got to be super politically correct. I made a joke about water one time. And somebody complained to the meeting plan. But, and let me give you the context. <laughs> I got $5,000 for the hour. This is 20, 30, 25 years ago. Uh, standing ovation for three minutes, which is ungodly long for a standing ovation. They were begging me not to quit. And this guy from Nigeria, water is not funny in our country. <laughs> you know, so, so, uh, you have to be super politically correct in a public seminar. I could tell them to take a hike, you know, but <laughs> and, and I couldn't uh, do that in the, in the corporate world. Um, so it's, uh, uh, I, yeah, if you really want to make money and, and be in front of people that want to be there, that's what you want to move towards. So obviously you've been very successful as a speaker, Tom, what would you say, I mean, there's lots of factor, things that factor into that, but what would you say maybe your three biggest keys to success have been and that you would advise somebody else to follow? Well, uh, one for sure is I'm super customized. Uh, I didn't have to be as much in the public seminars because they were all entrepreneurs wanting to make money. But in the corporate world, I interviewed at least 15 people that I knew were going to be in the audience from all different job levels so that they thought I knew uh, that I was one of them by the time I got there because on stage I'm saying things that nobody from the outside that's just doing a dog and pony show would ever know. 
And, uh, and so customization really uh, made me really take off faster. And one of the ways you can do that, especially now, is uh, Google Alerts. So this is an online thing where you can put in keywords. So, for instance, I was speaking for Hallmark Cards. So I put in Hallmark Cards into Google Alerts. And I always check it, uh, you know, the week before I speak. And then the morning before I came down, I checked it, and something came out about Hallmark Cards. And I'm speaking to all these executives from Hallmark Cards. I start talking about it, and they're looking at each other. <laughs> we didn't know that. And they thought I was some kind of freaking genius or psychic or something. <laughs> so there's tools that can help you uh, be uh, customized. So those are those are really important uh, to be customized. Well, I find so so many speakers, Tom, in my opinion, are so lax in terms of their willingness to customize the presentation and really do their homework yeah. up front to make sure it's as focused as possible to the to the needs of the audience. What are their pain points? And how can you, as you did, rule the people into the presentation by talking to them ahead of time, in a sense? And it, you got to be willing to do your homework, bottom line, if you truly want to succeed in this business. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, people see it as big. Oh, you made how much for one hour? And they think that's all that's involved in it, you know, but it's it's uh, far from that. Also, another thing about the interviews is I would find out what humor is acceptable and I would check it with several different people because I have been set up before where somebody wanted me to joke about something because they didn't want to say it. They wanted me to say it so oh. that they wouldn't get in trouble. But I checked it with other people and I said, no, that's too, <laughs> too hot. And then I also find out who the know-it-alls are. And so I knock out any hecklers because if the no, if I find out who the know-it-alls are, I definitely call them ahead of time. And I say, hey, uh, people said, you know a lot about this topic. I want to make sure I don't waste your time. and I want to get your opinion on something. Well, hecklers want to feel like they know it all and that they're worthwhile. And, that, uh, and so by me doing that, they didn't heckle me. They, in fact, they said, well, he was one of the best speakers we ever had. <laughs> and it's just wow. because... I edified them. Well, truly, people will help help support the things that they feel like they help to create in some way. So they yes. help and create your presentation, so they're going to support it, obviously. That's that's it. And then uh, another mistake is not getting at least a fifty percent deposit. And I know it's hard if you've got to pay your your car payment or something, but the problem is, is people are flaky. And they'll book you, and they have nothing to lose if they cancel you. And most of the work, to be honest, Brett, is done before I get there. Mm -hmm. All this customization, all the travel arrangements, taking the time off the schedule. So you got to get a 50% deposit before you go in your contract. And I got to the point where I uh, got full payment two weeks in advance. Because the last thing you want to do is be there when the training director, you just made his four-month salary in 45 minutes. Yeah, And they're supposed to give you the check and they just hate you. They're thinking I could have done better than this. And you're walking around like a homeless person after your speech, trying to wait for your check. You know, so yeah. you gotta, these are all things around the actual on stage performance that make you, uh, you know, celebrity staff. So obviously Tom's talking about a keynoting situation where you're going into a corporation or right. creation. You're not going to get a 50% upfront. If you're a platform seller, you're going to, no, pay, that's you're a going to pay your own expenses up front. <laughs> And then hope that you can convert from the stage. So, well, and I, I really want to talk about that because, uh, like I said, I haven't been beaten in 20 years that I know of. And uh, there's so many details to it. So, let me know when you want to get into that. 
Yeah, we'll get into that. Before we do, though, Tom, let's take a quick break. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to breadridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we're back with our guest Tom Antion on the Spotlight on Speaking show. And I know Tom has some great advice to share regarding how you can maximize your backroom sales at an event if you're a platform seller. So let's just dive right into that, Tom. All right. Yeah, I've got a whole checklist here because, uh, you know, I don't want to miss anything for the folks. So this is my the way I do things. When I'm uh, booked at an event, first of all, you want to build your reputation up. You can't do all of this stuff right off the bat. you got to have a reputation before you can do everything. But I'm going to give you what to shoot for. So the first thing is uh, you want a good agreement. Just because it's a public event doesn't mean you shouldn't have a good speaker's agreement. It covers things for me like my time is not going to get cut. No matter what's going on around me, my time doesn't get cut. Uh, When I'm on, I usually want to be on uh, right before lunch because that way if if they're buying like crazy, the next speaker's not bugging me to get on stage. uh, I usually want a separate room to take them to after my speech. Uh, called, we call it an isolation room. That doesn't sound very nice, but it's, <laughs> uh, I do virtually all content on stage, and then I get people to another room afterwards to do the selling. Uh, I want sound off my laptop. I want a handheld microphone. Every little detail is covered in my agreement. And that way, uh, and see, some of the meeting planners or promoters, you know, were secretaries yesterday, or they were, you know, they just think, oh, this would be great to throw a big event. And they have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I've been there thousands of times and I know what's going to work for both of us because they want to make money off of me and I want to make money off of the whole thing. So um, so you, mostly they don't fight me with this because I've been there and done that. Okay, next thing is I want an ability to do a business card drawing. And a lot of promoters won't let you do this. They'll feel like you're siphoning people out of their crowd. And But I built up a reputation of honesty in that they know I'm going to follow up with these people and get the sale and pass on the commission. So uh, that's if, if they won't let me do a business card drawing. Uh, and then it's also a technique to tell them about my product, what they're going to win mm-hmm. with the no sales resistance. See, so whenever you can do a drawing, that tells people about your product without hawking your product. See, because they're going to win it for free, but then at the end, everybody else wants it. Okay, so that's that. Uh, and b- by the way, none of this stuff is coming from a diva attitude. I mean, Brett, you've you know me. I just hang around, talk to people. I don't come in with an entourage and act like a big shit, you know. Yeah, and I, I think it is key to recognize that Tom paid his dues and <laughs> he earned that reputation that enables him to do some of the things that he's talking about. When you're a new speaker to the platform and all that, you're not going to get to pick your time slots probably. You've got to pay your dues and earn your way up the ladder, so to speak. And you just got to accept that that's part of the growing process. And eventually you can get there. But Tom has been at it for 30-plus years. <laughs> right. But that doesn't mean you don't you don't act like a professional at all levels. You know, sure. Because like I was doing a 6 a.m. thing one time, early bird with 16 other speakers. And uh, 
you know, that's terrible for humor early in the morning and all that stuff and 16 other slots. And so the banquet ahead of time, I mean, Brett knows me. If you see all of me, you know, I don't miss meals too often. Right? But uh, I skipped the I, banquet. I wasn't going to say that, Tom. I know, but you were thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> so I skipped the banquet. I went to 50 different tables with a very quickly reset magic trick. Got everybody laughing. And I said, hey, you know, I'm on at six in the morning or no, it was seven, I think. And I know, uh, you know, it's early, you know, but I'll make it worth your while if you show up. And then I left them laughing and went to the next table. At the 6 a.m. in the morning, it was standing room only. The meeting planner is freaking out. She's begging me to stay and do another session in the afternoon. You know, so that's that's what being a pro is about. See, I, I wasn't anything special at that event, but I turned out to be because of my actions, acting like a pro. Okay, let's get back to this. So, um, and also I've been able to negotiate a better percentage. Most of the time it's 50-50, but I was able to do better than that. And I won't tell you how much because then the promoters will be pissed off. At me. Okay. Um, then uh, one of my goals, even when I was in corporate speaking, Brett, is to make them love me before I even get in the country I'm speaking in. Well, how do you do that? Well, in those days, I would throw a, a pre-programmed teleclass. And now it would be a webinar where I would just give a lot of content and I'll say and promote the event for the promoter for free. That makes the promoters love you more and want you back because you're doing all this extra stuff to help them. And so I would do that. And so people couldn't wait to meet me once I got there. I was pre-sold to them, basically. So that's one thing. Then I would shoot a really nice quality promo video for the event with me as the the main guy telling about all the other speakers that are going to be there. So it wasn't just, you know, bragging about myself. However, I looked like the main event uh, because I was the one on the video. <laughs> so I promoted, I, I provided this to the promoters and they said, I can't believe you're doing all this stuff. Well, that's, that's what a pro does. So I did a pre-programmed video for them to promote it. Uh, another thing I had is my promotional materials. I gave them to them ahead of time to give out at registration. So the people would get my stuff at the time. It would be a DVD prior to the pandemic, but now I would probably uh, with all the computers, not having DVDs, I would give them a thumb drive with a promotional video about me and my mentor program and a magalog. That's a magazine catalog, really slick looking. They had this at registration. They went up at the room and read it at night and came down, and some of them bought before I even spoke. You know, that put me in front of all the other speakers. So that's another thing. Then I did an early bird session. So it was promoted that for people that flew in the night before, Tom's going to do a total early bird session, and there was no selling, no nothing. So let's say maybe – there's 300 people at the event. 100 people came to the early bird. Well, I, I wowed them. And then those 100 people the next day are going to be talking to the 200 more people coming in. And they say, oh, man, that guy was great last night. He's not on again until Sunday. But, oh, you got to see him. You know, so it, uh, it again, in, infiltrated the whole event. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think you've probably seen me do this. Oh, more, um, more than once. Yeah. And during that, I taught a thing. And this is one of the things I can't believe more speakers don't do, Brett, is I use my own stuff. I don't use PowerPoint. I use my own stuff as my presentation. I never use PowerPoint. 
So in that session, I used a video about my mentor program in my retreat center, teaching them how to make a $50,000 video about their business. However, I'm using my business and my cool retreat center as the, the teaching mechanism. If I just said, here, I'm going to show you how great I am, people wouldn't have come. But if they were going to learn how to make a $50,000 video about them, their company, then they stood there and, and but they were all of this stuff is getting in their brain this guy is great <laughs> you know and that's what i want so that's an early bird session okay now this is a cool trick you know after you get known a little bit um i made a deal i don't even know if you know this i made a deal with other speakers that uh the ones that i like so if i didn't like you i wasn't gonna make this deal right and there's a lot of ripoffs that um I'd, I'd say, listen, I'll mention you from my stage if you mention me from your stage. And I had helped a lot of these people, even if they weren't my students, I, you know, critiqued their sites or did something for them. So, <laughs> so look at the math here. I mentioned them once during the course of a 90-minute speech, but five or six or seven other speakers during the event mentioned Brilliant. me. Brilliant. <laughs> so, so that's a very pretty cool trick there uh technique then i did a bang up job on stage for at least 90 minutes that's about my sweet spot um and i my thing folks is i deliver at the hope level because i could get up there and in 10 minutes blow your way that you'd say i could never do this in a million years well what good does that do it doesn't motivate you doesn't make me any sales. Yeah. So I deliver just high enough where you feel like you could do it if you had some help. That's okay. delivering at the hope low. <laughs> Brett's right now. I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you go up there and show them how smart you are. You're just alienating people like saying, oh, I could never be you. You know, so, uh, and that's why I used to buy the, the $3,000 custom suits from Los Angeles. I got rid of all that. I haven't had a tie on since my mother's funeral. All right, so so um, I just become one of the people. They feel, oh, well, that guy's a regular guy. That's why I'm called like the multimillionaire next door. You know, I'm the same guy sitting here talking to you as um, you've seen me at a hundred events. You know, I just 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 walk around to talk to people and be nice to people. Yep. And so that's uh, better on stage to uh, to not lord over how brilliant you are. They'll get that idea with all the stuff you show them if you do a good job. Okay. Then I uh, do the business card drawing, told you about that, and I don't usually wear a name tag. This is just the sidebar. A lot of times people will be talking to me ahead of time, have no idea who I am. I like this because then they see me on stage and they're like, oh, that's the guy, that's the guy I was talking to. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's just another little oomph that this guy is, is one, nice, approachable, accessible, and, but he's still this, this guy that's up there. These are just little things. Then afterwards, I take them. I do a 95% content, entertaining content. And, um, and then I take them to this isolation room, we call it. Uh, and that's taking them to another room, the people that are interested. So the people that want more, they're pre-selecting themselves as being predisposed to, I don't know if I can afford this guy, but I want to go see. And so then we go in there and talk about my mentor program. For a while, I started throwing pizza parties so they wouldn't have to worry about running to uh, lunch. And so if it cost me, even at a hotel, four or $500 to, to throw a pizza party, so what if I'm going to leave with at least 100000 and the most I've done is like 250000 
for Mark Victor Hansen one day. Um, so, uh, so again, being a pro, uh, let's see. And I'm always, uh, this is another sidebar first there, last to leave first there. I'm doing sound checks. I'm doing, I'll check into my computers, the, how talking to the video guys, talking to the audio guys, making sure no glitches there. And, uh, I'm the last to leave and very accessible during the whole event. And I watch every single word of every single speaker, because this is another mistake for you folks. You come in there and you say either the same thing the last speaker just said, and people are like, oh, man. Or you say something entirely opposite with no reference to what they just heard. So I listen to every single one. And if I think it's BS, I'm like, I won't say that uh, in most situations, but I'll say, hey, you know, you heard so-and-so say this. Well, he might have had success with that, but I have had better success doing this way. So you're, you're showing that you're in the moment and not just dog and pony show and oblivious to what's going on around. Uh, and then I follow up with the people that didn't buy with broadcast emails or, and or phone calls because of the business cards that I have from the business card drawing. And if somebody converts, then the promoter still gets the money. And a lot of them couldn't believe it when in my early days, man, I, I can't believe it. you sent, you're sending me the money from somebody, you know, three weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have got them if it wasn't for you. Fair, be fair to everybody. So that's my story and I'm sticking to sticking to it. Follow up, follow up, follow up. But see, it's more than just the 90 minutes on stage. It's all of this stuff put together yep. that makes you a pro. Well, these are such great takeaways. And the first thing I want to do is encourage everyone who watched or listened to this podcast to watch or listen to it again, because <laughs> I normally, I normally ask people to share, you know, three or four keys to success oh, mistakes to make. And I think we got about 35 here, three or four. I'm not even warmed up. Yeah. <laughs> so I so appreciate you sharing your expertise today, Tom. If somebody wants to get involved in your world, where do they go to find out some more about Tom Ankian and what you might have to offer them? Well, they should definitely get on my podcast. It's called Screw the Commute. It's in the top 1% of all on uh, podcasts, according to uh, uh, Listen Notes. And um, it's got over 300 uh, training episodes and uh, 400 or so interviews with top uh, uh, entrepreneurs like yourself. And uh, that's probably good. Uh, ScrewTheCommute.com. And if you go slash training, if you just want training like this, like rapid fire for 300 episodes, you get a million bucks worth of training for free. And then I have a mentor program. I have a pro speaking mentor program. Just a lot of stuff uh, available. And I'm a very available, too. I mean, if you want to talk, there's no high pressure for me. If you, if you have some questions, uh, shoot them over. Yeah, I'm actually reading one of Tom's books again, as, as you know, this this week. So there's always something new that you learn, even though you've looked at something before or heard something before. Maybe your frame of reference is different now than it was a year ago or whatever. So great stuff, Tom. I so appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking podcast. If you haven't already, go to SpotlightOnSpeaking.com and register there so you can be notified of upcoming episodes. And also, if you haven't been over to brettridgeway.com yet, I encourage you to hop on over and pick up your copy of my free report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. But this has been the Spotlight on Speaking show. As always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. Thank you again, Tom. And everybody, make it a great week. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking show with Brett Ridgeway. Be sure to join us every week. 
as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And remember to visit our website at SpotlightOnSpeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business. Okay.